This is Alternate Take, and I am your host. Welcome back, bitches. On this episode, we brought you guys heat. I'm talking heat. Like Robert De Niro in the motherfucking 90s, baby. Heat. And uh, we couldn't have done it with a better guest. We did it with country music star from Nashville, Davey Arnold. Now, a little background. Me and Davey actually go way back, dude. That's right. Rancho Starbuck Trojans, dude. We went to junior high and shit. Crazy, dude. So it was fun to catch up with him and talk about uh, our childhood and where we're from, man. It's such a small town uh, where we're from, Whittier, La Habra, where everyone knows everybody. And it's it's fun to be able to just, you know, have someone to relate all your fucking ridiculous stories with. And um, that's it, man. It, it was really cool, man. Um, I put a link to Davey's music in the uh, podcast description um i put a couple of links so you can go check out all of his stuff he just um released his latest tune superman not too long ago that's just been man if you haven't heard that song you're fucking up it's beautiful and uh we get it we get we talked a lot about those things man so that's it that's all i gotta say man enjoy the episode and uh i bring to you the great davy arnold Oh, shit, we got awesome, man. So we what's got- going on? Nothing much, dude. Same old shit, man. Just out here in SoCal, dude. Home of the baddest motherfuckers there are. Just trying to fucking go day by day. What about you, brother? Likewise, dude. Just grinding it out here in uh, in Nashville. What time is it there? Like four in the morning? It's like yeah. an eight hour difference. Right? <laughs> yeah, at nine a.m., dude. But uh, dang, man, you're up early. I know, dude. You got you got to get up, dude. If you're not getting up, doing some push ups and fucking, I don't know doing something with your fucking life i don't know it bugs me dude you know what it is is i'm mexican so like when i was a kid like you get woken up to like fucking like loud noises and shit it could be anything it could be your mom yelling at your dad it could be fucking lawnmowers whatever like vicente fernandez there's music all the time in your house so like if you're not up you feel lazy for not being up you know what i'm saying yeah you got to get after it get the day going man bright and early <laughs> up and at them exactly anyways for all you listeners out there we're bringing you the country music star from Whittier, California. Uh, David and I go way back, dude. We go back to fucking uh, junior high player. Holy shit. Rancho Starbuck, homie. That's, dude, home of the Trojans, baby, where it all fucking started and shit. That's crazy, man. But, uh, dude, let's, oh, yeah, start from, let's start from then, dude. The champions dude. are made. Dog, where we're champions are made, where fucking virginities are lost, where uh, we're heart is built. <laughs> I believe that shit 100%, man. It's a great place. A lot of great memories, but uh, let's start from then, man. Um, you're always a great older than me, right? Yeah, one year older. Yeah, one year older. I remember that because I remember we didn't really hang out too much. Uh, I was always a little intimidated. Like, oh, I kid over there is good at baseball. Fuck that guy, dude. Because when you're a kid, dude, when someone's better than you at baseball, you're like, <laughs> you're like, fuck that dude, man. Fucking guy walking over here, all good and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though you're like a sweetheart, you're just like, you take it personal and shit. But, uh, Dude, uh, let's start from then, man. Uh, tell me about your childhood a little bit, man. Yeah, man. I grew up in Whittier, California. Um, growing up playing sports, you know, doing the whole skateboarding thing, hanging around La Habra and Whittier. And um, yeah, I grew, grew up playing a lot of baseball and basketball. I was blessed, though. I was kind of a man child growing up. So probably in eighth grade, I was a good like 160, 170 pounds, just a large, large child. I would um, say, dude, you were jacked. I remember that shit. I, I don't know. Maybe my maybe my dad was mixing whey protein in my Wheaties or um, maybe some creatine or something at, at 12 years old. But um, <laughs> no, man, I uh, had, had a great time growing up. And, you know, the whole 
whole rancho crew. Um, yeah, a lot of those guys, I, you know, still keep in touch today. I have a lot of family. I went to school with me too. So yeah, a great place to grow up. It was dude, man. I, we had a lot of good times, a lot of good memories, man. I, we just had on, um, uh, Mitch Callahan on the podcast too. And that was, that was super cool, man, because, uh, same grade, obviously, you know, and, um, good times. Yeah. We had some funny fucking stories we we're telling dude. that were just honestly so fucking hilarious that you go back, you're like, holy shit. I can't believe that we all like somehow grew up in the same neighborhood and had these same experiences, but everyone is so like different. Everyone has their own things going on that are all super cool and shit. And, uh, it's just unique, man. It's, it's very unique. Uh, after Rancho though, you went to uh modern day, correct? Yeah. After Rancho, I went to, uh, I went to La Habra High for a year, year and a half. And I, uh, I was trying to, ever since the end of Rancho, I was trying to go to uh modern day high school. Uh, but I got put on like a waiting list thing. So got put on a waiting list and ended up transferring um, my sophomore year to modern day high school in Santa Ana. So, uh, you know, I finished my high school years there uh, playing baseball. Um, but dude, not to get off track, but just bringing up Mitch Callahan, I'll never forget um, in seventh, maybe seventh or eighth grade. When yeah. He fought that, fought that guy where all of us <laughs> re, re, dude, there was probably a swarm of like a hundred kids. Were you one of those kids that went to go watch him fight? Of course, Jesse. man. I was selling fucking flyers and shit. I was, <laughs> I was so, in that shit. It's not like it was the most obvious thing ever when you just have like 100, 120 kids. As soon as the bell rings, like sprint to a neighborhood to watch two kids fight. I remember Mitch, wanted, like, I don't know if he ended up doing it, but he's like, I think I'm going to put like a roll of quarters in my hand. And I'm like, like 12, <laughs> 12, 13 years old. Like, what? What is that, man? I mean, I've never, I don't, you know. The only time I've ever punched someone is if like we were boxing in the backyard or something. I'm like, Hi, what does a roll of quarters do? And I was like, oh, dang. dude, I would, I always call him the original J boy Adams from Dogtown. He was oh. our J boy Adams from Dogtown, man. He was fucking crazy. Or uh, if you ever see uh, the movie uh, Bad Boys, not the one with Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence. This is the OG Bad Boys. It's with Sean Penn and S.I. Morales in the 80s. And it's the shit. Okay. And he's it's you got to check it out. I guarantee your parents have seen it. They probably made out in the movie theater watching it because it was a fucking hit. And um, Sean Penn in that movie is fucking Mitch Callahan. I swear to God, man, it's it's hilarious, dude. I gotta check that out, dude. I I for sure believe it. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he, was, a wild, he was a wild man. I know. Um, he just called out LeBron James on Instagram. We're trying to get that fight going. Oh, did he really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We'll see what happens. He put a picture of him with his missed teeth, and then LeBron getting carried off the court. We're like, all right, whoever fucking fights uh has to get rid of their Twitter. Uh, whoever loses, yeah, whoever loses has to get rid of their Twitter. And then, uh, I don't know, some other shit. Either way, it'd be a good fight, man. Yeah, there you go, man. There, there, there's your job again. Make some flyers for it. Get some advertisements going. <laughs> You're the hype man. You got you to gotta get it going. You got to get, uh, get it done. Oh, you know me, dog. I'm always trying to hype someone up for no reason, too. Just just because I just get a kick out of it. It's just hilarious. I'll hype up John over here to go try to hit on some chick who's like a three. And it's just I just want to get him pumped up, get his juices flowing, you know, because the kid needs a little bit of energy. So, And I'm pretty decent at that. So, you know, what are you going to do? Hey, some guys need a little sprinkle of mojo, man, to get it going. It's all right. And they'll look back and they'll be like, hey, you're the reason why I uh, I picked up that three last time, man. Thank I'm hoping. That. That's what I'm saying, man. I just, you know, I got a job to do and I'm just taking care of it. But uh, anyways, man. So, yeah, dude. So you're a modern day and um, you said you were playing ball and shit. And what happened after high school? Because I remember I don't remember keeping in contact with you much after that, but uh, always through like secondary sources. Like I always knew somebody that was very close to you or whatnot. But uh, what happened after high school? Uh, yeah, dude. So uh, I played a, a season of baseball at Fullerton, Fullerton College. Um, I was trying to figure shit out. Um, went 
uh, ended up transferring to Arizona State, and that kind of changed my life, uh, social life, and uh, you know, personal life. So quit baseball, transferred to ASU. I knew a couple guys uh, going in to the sophomore year of college. Um, but yeah, man, I was kind of, a, I mean, I was a bit of a shy guy, kind of my whole life, just real calm, reserved. And uh, going to ASU, I did the whole fraternity thing, and um, they found out I played guitar and sang, and you know, threw me in a room of sorority girls. And, um, you know, after that, the rest is history. And, I, you know, I was like, dude, if I could play for 200 sorority girls, like partially sober, I think that I could play for a crowd. So after that, that was my launch pad. And uh, ever since then, I've been writing songs and, and singing them. And, and here we are, man. Damn, that's how it started. Isn't that funny how you just get thrown in the fire and then that's how you fucking figure it out? Dude, when I, uh, when I was a kid, man, it was the same thing. It was with the speeches mostly, though. Like my mm -hmm. parents are are super big on speeches. It doesn't matter what event we had. It's someone's birthday, like, hey, you got to go up there and say something. And when you're like seven or eight, dude, that's a lot of fucking pressure, you know? Terrifying, yeah. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? Or, and then when I started playing guitar, which was like around eight years old, it was the same thing. Hey, your grandma's coming over. She wants to hear you play something. And you're like, I fucking suck, though. Like, what the hell's, what does, what's the deal with this? And they're like, well, I don't give a shit. Play it or, or fucking... Or you don't eat tomorrow. You're like, all right, fuck, these are crazy ultimatums. I got some fucked up parents. But you make it work, and then you play, and then you get more comfortable. And then uh, eventually, yeah, people start. You get actually more harsh on yourself. You, you end up being like your biggest fucking critic. And it, it made some pretty goddamn good gold, man. Um, That's beautiful, dude. Uh, what, else was it, what else was it like at ASU, man? I heard it's fucking good time down there. Uh, it was wild, dude. Um, I had the time in my life. I mean, I, zero complaints. I graduated on time. Um, you know, it was full of uh you know tailgating football games uh parties on the week i mean it's exactly like you hear about it in like movies and tv shows it's exactly what you think it is i always tell people that so i mean and i can't you know and i can't complain because i i graduated on time got a degree and uh you know here, here i am i'm using my using my political science degree by writing songs in nashville and uh <laughs> you know, playing on the weekend Tremendous. You know what, dude? Honestly, you know what's more more impressive to me? Someone going to ASU and graduating on time than it is playing music in front of a bunch of people. Because I, I can relate to that. I don't I don't mind playing music in front of people. I don't mind doing stand-up. I don't mind talking in front of people. I can't. I already knew going into college. I was like, I, I can't do this shit. Because if, if I were to graduate, I'd have to have no fun. I would have to make sure I'm studying and doing all this shit. And then if I was going to have fun, I wasn't going to graduate. Like, yeah, I can't. I can't do this shit. So that's impressive, dude. That's fucking very difficult. Yeah, man. All thanks to Adderall. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. If my hey. mom used this, I, I took it like twice in college. I didn't, I didn't even like it. So I heard that uh, shit works, man, but I heard it makes you like get crazy business ideas. And the next thing you know, you're up. Through, yeah. I don't know, man. No, it just made me sweat. So I was over it, man. I wanted to like clean the house, not even write my paper. So I, I, <laughs> took, I took it like twice and I was like, all right, I'm not going to do that again. I got you, man. And then, uh, when was, uh, when did you start taking music a little bit seriously then? So you started playing the <laughs> and you got the little, you got the, the feel for it got a little excited when you start actually playing yeah dude so um closer to graduation um oh, i needed to get a band together so i went on craigslist and you know craigslist is the place to go when you're trying to figure out your career and and uh find some bandmates so i, I responded <laughs> to an ad on craigslist and i drove like 40 miles in the middle of nowhere to a desert to some guy's garage and i remember texting my then girlfriend who's my wife now and i was like hey babe like if i don't come back like this is where i am this is real sketchy <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah we rehearsed and that was like the first time i ever you know joined a band and it evolved into you know getting some players and, and playing shows at casinos and bars um and then festivals and then we started 
tour, making a name for ourselves, And eventually it became, um, you know, working with all these different booking agencies in the Phoenix area where any national act would come to town, um, whether it be at a club or a couple of times we got lucky enough to play arenas, um, or smaller arenas. Uh, it was like, Hey Davey, you know, we need an opener. Can you get it done and, uh, bring a crowd, sell X amount of tickets. And, um, I was like, yeah, I'm your man. So we did that for a couple of years, um, played some big shows in Vegas for NFR, the MGM and country thunder. Um, and really had a good, really had a good thing going for a while. Um, up until, uh, I ended up moving to Nashville. I kind of hit a ceiling, uh, songwriting wise, uh, we were playing a bunch of shows. I was having a great time, uh, but wasn't really riding that much. Um, so I knew I wanted to take that jump and kind of, uh, you know, advance my uh, craft a bit and uh, build up my catalog. So I ended up moving to Nashville. Shit, man. What was that like? That moved to Nashville, man. That's a big fucking leap, dude, from, from well, first of all, from Whittier to Arizona is already a big leap. That's a, it's already a much different place. And then from there all the way to fucking Nashville's a big leap. How's that been for you? It's been great, man. I mean, it's all about getting out of your comfort zone. I learned about, a lot about that in college. Um, kind of like we talked about being a little shy and reserved. And um, like you said, dude, like when you just get kind of thrown to the wolves and um, you got to figure out how to adapt, that kind of makes you as a man or, you know, makes you as a person. So um, it wasn't too bad. It was a little, a little tough at times, but I mean, that's what life's all about, man. Um, seeing what you're made of and, and chasing after your dream. And I'm, I'm grateful that I could do this. And I know a lot of people are, are looking back and um, or even like looking forward and wishing they could, they could do what they love. So um, I, I don't take any day for granted and, you know, I just soak it all up while I can. I love it, man. I couldn't agree more, dude. Like for me, at least I know in my life, dude, I'm, I don't do anything unless I'm put my back is pushed against the wall. That's just how I fucking operate, which I don't like about myself, but also I know like that's when I get, the best results so i'll throw myself in fucked up situations dude like either it's hanging out with john that's a really fucked up situation or just something like that just to get me out of my comfort zone because it's the only way i actually do shit it's the only way i'm actually good at anything to be honest with you i mean it's it's funny how that works sometimes right i mean some people i'm jealous of that you know they're the jack of all trades they can kind of half-ass anything and they'd be good at good at everything but i'm the guy that you know probably like you where i sit there and obsess about it and i gotta like you know, it, it becomes like a habitual, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, man. Well, yeah, dude, I was, uh, I was talking to a few people. I was like, yeah, man, we're, uh, we're getting this guy on the podcast, we're getting this guy on the podcast. And then I mentioned, I was at my cousin's house the other day. I was like, I'm getting, uh, I was like, uh, I was like, remember Davey, remember Davey Arnold? He's like, yeah, that's my boy. And I was like, yeah, I'm fucking no friends. Cause he always acts like everyone's his friend and shit, you know? And I was like, yeah, I have no friends. He's like, no, I'm serious. We played uh, what are your pony to get? It was my cousin, uh, Gio Aguilera. Yeah, of course. I love Gio, man. He's that's one of my fun. best friends. That's fucked up, man. You're supposed to say fuck that guy. And he's I not can't, man. I, I love Gio. I love his whole family. Um, yeah, dude. Gio and I, dude, we, we would have a blast uh, at Fullerton College. He was he was my best friend um, for those two years. We did everything together, man. He, he's the man. Um, so for the record, I love that guy. But if you want, you could you could tell him fuck that guy if you want. Tremendous. I'll let him know. Dude. He'll, he'll, he'll just watch this or listen and be like, ah, oh, dude, no, he's good. I know, <laughs> I know he wouldn't say that. <laughs> exactly and then um you know it's funny because uh when i was uh when i was a kid dude i uh i had a i went to olita olita i don't know if you remember the little owls mm -hmm. were you in the same school district uh olita no no no. i uh i was a meadow green so oh same school district okay you're ghetto green damn That's you're a ghetto same, green. Right? yeah so i had 
I'm trying to think of your grade. Yeah, like Cody Clements and John and all those guys. Went to yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Ghetto Green was legit. We used to skate there all the time. But um, when I was at Olita, I remember I had a, I had a teacher in uh, sixth grade was uh, Miss Tarbell. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, Miss Tarbell was my teacher. Then I go to high school and I'm playing ball. And uh, uh, I remember I finally got called to varsity. I was, like my, I was like my sophomore year. I was all pumped, dude. And I was like, I got to fucking, I got to show the what the fuck I'm about dude. but I hadn't, I didn't really know anyone on the team. Like, so I was like, who the fuck do I even like warm up with and shit? And the only kid that I was able to warm up with was, uh, Adam, Adam Tarbell. So yeah. I, I recognized the last name and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, that last name is unique dog. I'm like, was your sister a teacher? He's like, yeah. She was like, she was a teacher at this school. I was like, that was my teacher. And then instantly became best friends. And we warmed up every day together for two years. And then he mentions down the road that you guys are cousins. Yeah, man. First cousins. That's fucking insane, dude. The world is too small, dude. It fucking pisses me off, man. Well, on my dad's side, man, when you have like seven siblings, you're going to have like a million cousins. So like a big Catholic family like that. I'm, they're all sprinkled around the hobber. I feel like there's, I think there was like, I think there was probably like three or four um, Arnold's or, you know, Arnold family, Tarbell's like mixed in the hobber. But yeah, dude, I love Adam, man. He was, he was like my brother growing up. I only have a sister. So um, every summer it was, it was, me and Adam, you know, playing catch or shooting airsoft guns or doing whatever. But yeah, he's a man, dude. Yeah, dude. He's the motherfucking man, dude. I love that guy. It's your boy. Shout out to that motherfucker. Um, well, dude, tell me about your music influences, man. When you were growing up as a kid, like uh, I always find it unique that most country artists, usually growing up, weren't like necessarily the biggest country fans. Like a lot of times they they like country music, but they usually are fans of other genres that most fans never really get to know until like they spill it on a podcast like this. Totally, dude. Um, just, just being where we grew up, it was, it was all pop punk. Um, you know, my, my youth, like 10 to starting around like 10, 11 years old. I mean, my parents would play me like Van Halen and ACDC and, you know, things like that in the garage. But like when I really started listening to music, it was, I fell in love with like the pop punk, um, you know, like the blanks, um, the Sum 41s, um, Green Day, all that stuff. I mean, that was the coolest shit of all time. And that's the stuff you want to put on your binder. Um, that's the t-shirt you want to wear and everything. Um, but I got heavy into that stuff. That's what got me playing guitar, um, being passionate about music. Uh, and then as I got older, I gravitated towards country, kind of like probably like 15 or 16 years old, just from playing baseball. So just in the summers, taking BP to like Kenny Chesney and you know, like Eric Church and a lot of those guys, George Strait, and uh, fell in love with that. I, I figured I wasn't, as I got older, I wasn't as angsty or as emotional as I thought I was going to be. I was, you know, kind of uh, kind of growing out of this skateboard culture and, and fell in love with country music and uh, fell in love with songwriting. Um, in Nashville, they call it out here, it's called the hook of a song, uh, which is usually like towards like the end of the chorus that can uh, either flip from the beginning or whatever in, in the song. And, and that's what I fell in love with uh, in country music because country is predominantly about, um, you know, the lyric and drawing people in on a storyline. And that really got me, uh, really got me pumped. Um, but as far as influences go, I'm a big Eric Church guy, Kenny Chesney, Dirks Bentley. Um, so we're from Whittier, California, man. I don't know if you know this. There's a country singer named Gary Allen. Um, he actually went to, went to Lucerna. He, he's probably friends with some of your family friends. Um, I think he's in his fifties, but, um, once I found out that he was from Whittier, uh, that kind of rocked me too, just cause I'm like, dude, if he, if this guy could be on the radio, cause he crushed it in the two thousands and nineties, man. And, uh, he, he was big for me. Not, not, 
I mean, I love his music, but just his story and uh, him being from Whittier and then, uh, of course, moving to Arizona, Dirk Spelling's from Arizona. And I got to open up a lot of his bars out there that he opened. And now he's got one in Nashville. And I got to play a show with him and open for him. Um, played a sold out show, 10,000 people in Scottsdale and uh, got to hang out with him backstage. And he, he became a huge just influence personally and uh, musically with his story. But um, but I'm not going to lie, I still crank up you know, pop punk and, and, and rock stuff and emo, emo, uh, core at the gym. But, uh, what about you, man? What do you listen to? Dude, I listen to a bunch of shit, man. I'm like a fucking moron. I'm, I'm, I was always the kid who, uh, I'm at my house. That's where you got your iPod set up. Cause, cause we, we broke like five computers from LimeWire back in the day. Allegedly, allegedly. I don't know. If- Dude, think about how bad that was for your computer. You're just roasting. <laughs> you're just roasting your hard drive or in the, the guts of your computer every day. Dude, as a parent, like at the time, I, I thought my parents were overreacting. I'm like, big fucking deal. Like, how, how else are we going to get a, all this music? Like, we have to break it. It is what it is. But as I get older, I'm like, I'm a dick. Dude, I broke like at least three or four of them, dude. At least three or four. But um, same way for me, dude. Uh, I got into music uh very very young like my 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 dad showed me like maybe like four or five bands like and heavily he showed me metallica he showed me acdc he showed me tupac uh bruce springsteen and then he showed me vicente fernandez and that was like basically it um and the rest of it was just like i I couldn't stop like discovering shit i couldn't stop looking man i would just go on the internet and type up and that's when dial up was up dude so i had i took some time this was effort you spent like seven or eight hours doing in one room just fucking researching and i would type in bands like metallica and everything that would pop up iron maiden and these guys and i would just download all their albums like okay well i'll just download all their shit and then uh black sabbath all right i'll download all their shit and then tupac and then biggie would pop up download all his shit and i had like ten thousand songs by like nine or ten and um that's how it started for me dude and i just went down a rabbit hole i i uh i started playing guitar super young i started playing guitar because my brother started playing Okay. And, uh, and I and I really wanted to learn. And uh I, when I was a kid, like watching like La Bamba was like the biggest thrill in the world, you know. Same thing as to what you said when you're mentioning the uh when you're mentioning like you saw someone from Whittier. I, I had that same feel for that, like for that movie kind of because it was like the like the Mexican American kid who's like kind of out of his element, like he shouldn't be doing this. Um, and there's really like not, not like you don't see much of a future there. And he, and he just balls to the wall, said, fuck it, put his heart on the line and figured it out. And uh, it's super interesting how like you kids get motivated off that, dude. It's crazy to me. Like, it's just like you said, man, like when I think of like the uh, like the Nomar Garcia Paras, like uh, or Aaron Pico or any of these guys from like the neighborhood that have done something, it gives yeah, you man. the most motivation. Like I can do it too. Then they're from they're from the same street time. And I fucking got in a fight right there. I. You know, I ate shit on that corner right there. I got my first hand job right over there. I, I'm from these streets. I can do the same shit, you know? Definitely, so, man. So I'm with him, man. 100%. I got to ask, did you did you play Master of Puppets or War Pigs for your grandma when your dad made you play guitar for your grandma? I did, but the bitch almost had a heart attack, dude. She's very, <laughs> she's Catholic as hell. She's like, hi, oh, is that Danny? She started almost passed out, you know what I'm saying? You're like, grandma, this one's called uh, Number of the Beast 666 by Iron Maiden. <laughs> this is Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Fucking tighten your fucking... Well, I was, bit, I was getting, dude, I'm telling you, I was playing the best shit, but that's how it started for me. And then I really started getting into, um, I would say, honestly, I'm not even trying to be like a fucking asshole or like an arrogant fuck, but I, I honestly, I felt like I mastered classic rock by like 13. And at that point, that's when I really started getting to, um, 
the more intricate part of music. I started like, all right, well, what stuff do I don't know? I was like, I don't really know too much jazz. And I, like, I know blues, but not enough. So, like, I got to dig deeper. So I started getting deeper into those things. I'm like, all right, because I already know all the other stuff. Like, what's like the beginning of hip hop? So I would get into like the Grandmaster Flash and like the Africa Bombadas and learning how they got started and whatnot. So, yeah, man, like I, I'm definitely into a lot of shit. Like my favorite bands now are like, uh, I said it before, I think on the last podcast is like, uh, I really like uh, Kaleo. I think they're fucking awesome. Uh, like Lumineers, uh, Bleachers. Uh, there's a lot of cool bands out there. Revolution's fucking awesome. Obviously, they've been around for a while. Oh, totally, man. I was just listening to them a couple weekends ago. Yeah, dude, they're fucking great, man. I have tickets to their show in August, but uh, but yeah, dude. So it's it's interesting to see how all these dynamics play out. And but I don't make music, man. I make songs just to fuck around with my buddies and shit. But you know, that's about it, man. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, not, it, feels, it feels. But I bet it feels good, though, man. I mean, just getting that those creative juices flowing and and creating something i mean it, whether you want to do it for a living or whether you just do it because it makes you happy like just you can't really encompass i mean i guess you can maybe if you write a, you know if you're into writing books or maybe painting or anything like that but there's something special about you know creating something out of thin air and then either enjoying it with your buddies or just getting all out and listen to it later man it's it's awesome it's, it's right it's feeling. well tell me about that process a little bit dude because for me at least when i'm when i'm writing i can't ever take myself seriously i end up just making a song about like I, you know, fucking just getting drunk with my friends or like, you know, if I could remove my ribs, I would do some nasty shit, stuff like that. <laughs> but um, for you, like you have to get serious and be focused. And like, how, how does that you have to be extremely vulnerable? How does that uh, writing process work for you? Yeah, man. So I can just break it down like a day in the life of, of a songwriter in Nashville, because um, a lot of people don't know how, the, how this town works. It's kind of like a little hidden, um, hidden world out here. So in Nashville, there's Right now, there's probably like anywhere between like 400 to 500 songwriters. Um, so the way it works is, you know, typically I'll go in with uh, two other guys, usually keep it at like three to four. Um, and you'll bring in ideas like what we talked about before, like hooks. And that's how a lot of these songs are created in Nashville. Um, so as far as like, I don't know, what's what's like, a, what's just give me give me like a popular song that, you know, whether it's country or whatever. Uh, Donut, Billy Currington uh so like uh i'm trying to sing that chorus on the top of my head anyways it's 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 the it's the the line of the song that that kind of encompasses everything around it so you write your verses around it your choruses around it yeah um, we kind of throw those out first um there's going to be a guy like building a track usually there's like a track guy in the room building track building the feel and then you just write usually you write the hook first and then write the verses around it and then someone steps up to the mic and starts uh, doing like dry vocal takes and, and seeing what, you know, where the melodies are at. And, uh, and then by the end of the day, three or four hours later, you have a demo and uh, you send it out. Um, so that's in a perfect world. Obviously you don't nail it every time, but um, it's a pretty crazy thing, man. So there's, there's a place called Music Row where there's a bunch of publishing houses and rooms where people go to write. Um, I'll go, to, go downtown there and write or go to a buddy's house or have people come over here. But it's pretty crazy, man. A lot of the songs that you hear um, on the radio or in commercials and stuff are, are started in these little rooms out here. Um, but the creative process is gnarly, man. That's one of the things that, that kind of blew my mind when I came here. Um, it kind of it, it humbles you a bit, but it also makes you, like you were talking about, it shows you that you have a chance to do it. Because um, a lot of these huge hit songwriters, you know, guys like, uh, you know, like, like a Bruce Springsteen, it all starts in a little room like this, man yeah dude that's interesting too do you have to like battle with your ego when you're doing it too like do you have to go like all right well i have these three oh, yeah. four guys in the room and i'm like i 
I have an idea, but it might fucking suck. So now you're reluctant to say it as to where if you're alone, you wouldn't mind writing that idea down. Cause like, well, it's just me here. Who gives a fuck? Well, yeah, all the time, man. Especially when you have a couple of different artists in the room, because everyone has their, their gut instincts and the way they say things, or I wouldn't say that, or, um, sometimes it turns into writing for other artists because, you know, one of the fastest ways to get recognition and success in this town is to get your song cut. That's another uh, aspect of Nashville. Unlike the pop punk scene or rock and roll, you know, those guys write their own stuff and they want to be, um, kind of the, the, all, the only cooks in the kitchen, but in Nashville, you know, I can get, a, get in a room with three guys, uh, or girls, whatever, and write a badass song. And someone like George Strait or Jason Aldean or like Luke Bryan can cut it, who didn't even write it, which is, pretty crazy too um but as far as the ego thing goes yeah you kind of you kind of fill out the room you see who you write well with and then you just kind of you know hammer after it um and get it done that's interesting man i feel like that's very difficult to do especially because i mean what if you're trying to get all emotional and shit and you have three or four guys in the room talking about it got broken up with man you're like well fuck i need a whiskey first we start with this shit and we're gonna start talking about all my love life and everything and get all emotional you know, you know what I think, but I think that's very, very courageous and very hard to do. And I'm not even blowing smoke up your ass. I'm being fucking serious, dude. Like when I'm sitting with my friends that I don't even want to do that at all. I don't ever want to drink and be like, yeah, my emotions are just heavy and shit. Cause, and that's what makes me a pussy is that I'm like, don't want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Hey, sometimes you say stuff in, in writing rooms that maybe you've been holding in for a long time. Um, a lot of people make jokes about it being like a therapy session, but I mean, at the end of the day, dude, it's real life. People feel not every song has to be a sad, you know, crybaby song. But at the end of the day, people have usually have shared the same emotions, the same like insecurities or doubts or, you know, either if it's a breakup or like falling in love or um, like having a good time. Um, when you break it down, that's what's so cool, man, is I can write a country song with a guy from, you know, West Virginia and a guy from Texas and then send it to you. And you could feel like I wrote it about you. You know, either whether it's about growing up or whether it's about like my dad or a girl, that's what's that's what blows my mind is uh, you would never know that I wrote it with like guys from opposite ends of the country. You know, like I've written songs with guys from guys and girls from like New York or um, Australia or um, or even like California. And what's even funny is that sometimes you'll, I'll get in the room with people from California and it just doesn't work. And it's funny because it's like, wait, I, we're, we, we grew up in the same kind of part of the, the country, but sometimes, you know, it just it doesn't click. Yeah. Why am I making a song about mocha salsa burritos? Fuck, dude. Dude, I miss mocha salsa so bad. <laughs> I, uh, I was in, uh, we, my wife and I visited her parents a couple of weeks ago and we flew into LAX briefly to, before we drove up. Her parents live in Santa Barbara. Oh, nice. Santa Barbara area. And we were cutting it close on time and we didn't get, we went to the hat in Brea. I like the okay. hat. Yeah, but I really wanted like mocha salsa or in and out, but we just didn't didn't do it, man. I was kind yeah. of bummed out, but the hat, you, the hat's still really good though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna go sober too, it's not the same. You got mocha salsa is breakfast only, or completely hammered. If you go middle of the day, you're just a serial killer. That's just the weirdest thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, there's something there's something severely wrong with you if you're on your lunch break and you just want to wreck your body with uh, <laughs> super fries. <laughs> exactly, man. Well, dude, tell me about some of your tunes, man. I. We've been playing them all week around the house and shit. And I'm like, dude, this motherfucker is, you're good, man. You're really good. Tell me about like your, your top hits and like this, this, like, you know, the background process of how you made them and whatnot. Yeah, man. Thanks. Um, so the last song I put out was about a year ago. It's called Superman. I wrote for my dad for father's day. Um, wrote it with some buddies, Reese Phillips and Aaron Patrick, uh, 2018, I think. Um, so that one was really special. That, that one was, uh, 
you know, opening up about your dad. That was one of the first times I really opened that like um, side of me as a songwriter. Uh, but that that song's really changed my life. It's got me in, in big meetings, big rooms, um, pitching around town a few times. Uh, Nashville's full of, of big maybes. It's always a, a big maybe and you fight for like the one yes. You get like told no a million times. But uh, that song's been really huge as far as pitch opportunities go. Um, but I've been really working really hard, man, to get some music out, hopefully in the fall, fall or early, uh, 2022, maybe like an EP going. Um, so I'll write five, four or five times a week. And like I told you, man, like get, get the demos done and then kind of sift through them and, and see what, what fits me if someone else doesn't want to cut it. Um, but, uh, shoot, man, I would love to send you some, uh, some of these demos. I'll send you a link and see which ones you like. Hell yeah, dude. Go in and cut them. But, uh. As far as the creative process goes, that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, creating new music. And dude, that that song is dude. That song fucked me up yesterday, man. I swear to God, because my uh, my pops on vacation right now, and then Father's Day always gets emotional because his his dad passed away a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he's you know, dude, when you see your dad cry, you just turn into a fucking ball of putty, dude. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. I hate him. My dad has that man cry where like. He has to like fight back his tears and shit. I hate that cry. You know, like it. you cry more when you see the person who's trying not to cry. Yeah. And instead of the person who is crying, like my mom used to always cry when I was little. So I used to be like, oh, I just go, I got oh, whatever. She cries. <laughs> you know, but like my dad, when he's, when he's fighting him back, you're like, God damn it. And uh, I played that song yesterday and I was like kind of picturing me being him thinking about his dad and i was like oh shit i'm emotional i was cleaning my room and crying and shit I was like fucking davy asshole making me cry and shit in the middle of the day on a thursday but uh dude that song is beautiful man it, it was uh i really dig like the the, the baseball picture you had with you and your pop and, oh yeah uh, dude yeah, it was kudos, to, kudos to my wife for that one she's that was it was her driving force behind that uh that idea that, yeah, that's dude. a killer picture man um i was at angel stadium i was like seven or something or six no shit you guys had like a little event there or something? I was like, what the fuck? He has no eye black. What the fuck? What are your pony kids? No, I think it was like, I think it was like that, the night where they bring all the little leagues across uh, Orange County or LA and they go walk the field or whatever. Are you a, are you an Angels fan or Dodgers fan? Dodgers fan, dude. I played ball in Rivera Park, dude. We're ghetto. We can't, if you're an Angel fan, they'd stab you. You can't do that stuff. I mean, dude, I can't. I hate the Dodgers, no offense, but um, I grew up an Angels fan, but I understand why people are Dodgers fans. There's a lot of baseball history in L.A., uh, a lot of, like, classic baseball um, fans are going to be Dodgers fans, dude. I get it. Totally get it. Yeah. You know, for me, it was, like, when I was a kid, it was – I was just – I wasn't, like, an egotistical kid where I was arrogant. I was just egotistical and, like, a, and like a I liked everything to be tough type of thing. And when I was a kid, like yeah. – Angel Stadium was Disneyland. I was like, there's a fucking water fountain over here. And there's a, fucking uh, monk, there's a, yeah, monk. Okay. all the dads are wearing like Hawaiian shirts and all the kids are eating cotton candy and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It would, it would bug me. And I, I saw, I still love going to Dodger games. Cause I was like, man, I, when people are like, there's fights, I'm like, that's the best part. What are you talking about? Like you go there and you sit in the pavilion and you sit in the all you can eat section and you see two fights with some cholas. I'm like, this is the shit I like, and this is baseball, like where people are mad at each other and shit. I'm like, this is how it's supposed to be. And uh, I got over that. Now I, I honestly truly enjoy going. I, I only go to Angel Games now. Like I'm a Dodger fan, but from a distance. I'm too old now to give a fuck about those things. When I was a kid, <laughs> the best thing in the world to just to be in that environment and to like to watch it all and then tr- enjoy the baseball experience. But now, dude, just give me an Angel game. I want to sit down and watch some hits and just fucking, you know, zone out. That's all I want to do now. So I'm an, angel, I'm an angel fan now, I guess. Do you still live in Orange County? Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah, we're, like so- about, we're like about a block away from Angel Stadium, actually. 
Oh yeah. That's what I was going to say. Then it's probably easy as hell drive. dude. There's nothing worse than getting stuck in traffic trying to go to Dodger stadium, dude. Oh dude. It's, it's the worst coming, coming from Orange County. Dude, I remember this one time, I swear to God, I was considering, like, punching my mother. When we were a kid, dude, I, we left. This is when they had Eric Gagne. This is when they had the yeah. team. Dude, and, like, we would go to, I don't know, we go to, like, three or four games a year if, like, my parents could afford it. And I remember one time, like, it was a close game, and it was the seventh inning, and my mom was talking shit. She's like, we got to get the fuck out of here because there's going to be so much fucking traffic. I got to work tomorrow. And I'm like, fuck, man, we had to leave. And then so the, we left, like, in the seventh inning, and the whole ride home, we had to hear the game on the radio, and they brought in Gagne. And I never uh, got to see him pitch. And I was so fucking mad, dude, because they're playing the Giants and he faced Barry Bonds <laughs> that inning. And I was like, oh, dude, I remember I was in the back like, I fuck, if I can knock her the fuck out, I think I, I think I would if I didn't have to go to jail. But <laughs> oh, it wasn't my mom. I was like eight. I was like, this fucking broad. I was so mad, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but That's I get it, man. though. Yeah, that place is fucked up. Angel Stadium is awesome, dude. We we get we do a little pregame here. We we'll play some Davy Arnold music, and then we take an Uber. It's we're good to go, dude. It's a good Angel game. <laughs> That's how you do, man. Um, have you ever since you're a Dodger fan, dude? Have you ever seen that Netflix documentary about um, that guy that gets off of uh, like murder charges by pulling up the Kirby Enthusiasm episode at the Dodgers Dodger game? Oh, dude, I heard about this. No, I saw a trailer on that about a year ago. I've actually never checked it out, but dude, that's fucking nuts, dude. As a Dodger fan, it's pretty. I mean. Just as a baseball fan, it's pretty cool. Like, it's like, man, maybe I should go to more baseball games. I can get me off, like, uh, get me off gnarly uh, murder charges, dude. It was, it's, it's not, you got to watch it. I, I mean, obviously, I already gave it away, but um, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Right. Well, that's what this. I mean, they tell it in the trailer. Like, you already know what the thing's about. So don't worry, you didn't fucking fuck anyone's day up with that shit. But yeah, man, dude, I. It was very interesting to see how like uh, how you've progressed as a songwriter, man. I got. I listen to your early stuff. I listen to your later stuff, and it, all of it sounds fucking good to me, dude. I really do like it. I don't say that lightly, man. I really do like your shit. And uh, any chance I get to brag about you, I do it, man. Even though I'm like, I do. For me, like I said, any kid from the neighborhood, they're just brothers. There's not even like a fucking like a, oh, like well, we didn't get to hang out a lot. I don't give a fuck. The kids, he's a he's a Rancho Starbucks Trojan dog. That means he's my brother. You know what I'm <laughs> Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's it's really cool, man. Because you you find out even if we didn't. Um, spend a ton of time growing up it, we all did the same shit yeah. uh, in the same area and uh we have we have a lot more in common than than anything you know exactly what have you been your your funnest experiences so far playing on the road man like with like your favorite artists that you've played with or like cool backstage fucking vip moments that you can share with us um shit uh the show with dirks was really cool um just because i looked up to him so much and got to drink with him and meet his band and and pick his brain on shit um I played a show with Brothers Osborne. Uh, that was really cool. They're they're one of my huge, uh, huge favorites now. Uh, that was before they, I think it was, they had stayed a little longer on the radio, but um, that was real cool going backstage with them and, and talking about um, the road and having some drinks. And um, I'm trying to think, man. The Vegas show was really cool too, Country Thunder. Um, the Vegas was NFR, so that was at the MGM. NFR, I don't know if you're a rodeo guy, it's, uh, it's a huge like week all revolved around the rodeo. So, I mean, I had like, it's like on a billboard at like MGM, I had like my name uh, playing with like Clay Walker and then right next to it was like George Strait, which like rocked my world and was the coolest freaking thing of all time. Um, but uh, yeah. And then just coming to Nashville, getting in the room with some of my, I've, I've been lucky to get in the room with some guys that I, really, I look up to as far as uh, that I've had a ton of hits. Um, I got to write with guys like Wynn Varble, 
he's had a bunch of uh you know hits in the 90s and 2000s get songs with him and that that's kind of comes full circle is not only playing shows with some of these big artists that you see on the radio but also a geek like me who's who's all about songwriting and and the, reading the credits on like a cd packet um getting in the room and writing with guys uh guys like that man so i mean for me I, i'm just getting started i've only been here four years they call it a 10-year town so i got a lot more a lot more time left but um yeah so far that's that's kind of my highlights that's beautiful man your name next to george fucking straight to me he's the king of country i i know oh, I, yeah, I, man. yeah he has to be dude i i just i i put on his shit and it's just it's just beautiful man that's unbelievable dude um you said you mentioned that you you played in in Vegas and how the country con- was this before or after the the big uh fucked up shooting that they had there? Uh, it was right before. So. Oh, okay. Have you gone back since? No, we have not. Uh, we had some opportunities right before COVID, uh, but we decided not to. Nash- Nashville's kind of tough because you're driving uh, to all these shows, so that's that's what kind of stinks uh, sometimes about being from the Southwest or I call it the Southwest, California, Arizona. Um, is you got to drive. We, we did a run of shows in, in November, 2019, right before COVID. And we did the 27 hour straight drive, dude. It was crazy. Oh shit. How's that? How's, your, how's your fucking playlist on that, dude? That, oh, that's, man. that's my I, favorite thing, dude. After a while, you just zonk out and I, you let the drummer drive and he's playing like Nickelback and all this like <laughs> butt rock, butt rock stuff and hard metal. And then you, I just kind of like slowly phase out and fall asleep. But no, man, it's so much fun, um, you know, being on the road and and uh, knocking out shows and it, it, jobs like that are tough. But you look back and you'll crack up and you laugh, dude, you know, going to Golden Corrals at, in the middle of nowhere and going to gas stations and finding like a Popeye sandwich in the middle of like Missouri or Arkansas or something. It's all it's all fun, man. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, there's there's legendary stories on the road of musicians that have told like, dude, my favorite is a. Uh... I talk about it too much, but yeah, Springsteen, like this, the song in the promised land is literally about that. And then his book has a huge, huge portion of it about that. Like when you're, when you're driving to gigs and you get your guys and you have this fucked up car and you're hoping you barely make it and you're pulling up together, you know, just dimes to get fucking gas. And then some guy you barely know says, Hey, I know a guy in this city who says you can crash on his couch. Like, all right, let's go. And it's just the life of the artist, man. It's on the, how do you, how do you even deal with that, dude? That's like the unpredictability would drive me nuts, man. I, I think that's what's the thing that people are most uh, admired by when it comes to musicians is, is your willingness to be in the unpredictable, especially financially, most of your life. Like that is fucking difficult. Most people need stability. Most people need structure. I'm getting paid every two weeks. Um, and that's a great life, man. Um, but for you to do this consistently, it, it's very difficult, man. How do you deal with that? Um, so, I mean, it's about chasing like what I talked about before is like being in the creative space, whether it's music or art or, you know, film, whatever you get told no a million times or passed on. And when you get those, that, that yes, or you play that show that just kicks ass and you have people coming up to you buying t-shirts or telling you like, you know, Hey, like that, your Superman song made me cry. thinking about my dad or like this song, you know, took me back to uh, high school or whatever. Um, like that's what it's all about, man. And that's what you kind of use as a driving force to motivate you um to show you that um man if i could just get you know get 500 more people to listen to my song or 300 more people listen to my song maybe i can change someone's life or maybe i can get them to feel that same feeling or you know if i can if i could just get this song to you know like blake shelton or you know i i got his producer to listen to it now i just gotta you know it's that that's what it's all about man and 
Um, you know, some people could think that's a little bit crazy and it, it is non-traditional and being out of your comfort zone constantly and uh, kind of just trusting your gut. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what it's all about, man. Um, that's how, that's how I live my life is just fighting for that next uh, yes or next break and, and chasing it and then just moving on and, and building, slowly building, uh, building up. Fuck yeah, brother. And uh, what are your, uh, what are your plans for the rest of 2021 and 2022, man? What do we got to look forward to for Dave? Um, so I've been in the studio recording some songs with my buddy, Gary Garris, who's uh, working on producing um, some new music for me. Great songwriter, friend, killer producer. So uh, wrap up two or three more songs with him, uh, get some stuff out. Hopefully uh, shoot, maybe August, September, the first one, and then slowly releasing singles after that. Um, I've been talking to some people, I want to work on getting back to California. Just I to believe it or not, man, I've never played a show in California just because uh, it was always Arizona, you know, New Mexico, Vegas, uh, that whole region. So um, I got to get back there. I want to get some some shows booked. I know it's kind of been a slow process as far as opening stuff back up because of COVID. Um, so that's that's what I've been looking at. Um, it would be really cool to get something get something out there maybe early 2022. Um, but uh, as of right now, I'm just working on new music, uh, playing out around the Nashville area and uh, writing songs every day, man. That's fucking beautiful, man. Dude, well, I can't wait to come to California to play a show, dude. I swear to God, I'll put up flyers all over again, dude. It's like I'm back, dude. The kid's fucking promoting shit. I'll get you, I'll get you front, row, front row and you'll do the Stone Cold. I'll just like have two beer cans just like funneling into... Dude, yeah. Beer and I'm going to flip off Adam and Gio the whole time I do it. Fucking mother. Yeah, Adam, Adam will be in the back. Gio will be in... Adam Gio will be on Adam's shoulders in the back. <laughs> Tremendous, man. Well, hey, dude, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping in, man. I really appreciate it, dude. It's always a it's always a good time to talk to old kids from the neighborhood, man. I I always say like a lot on this podcast. Um, it's like a common theme that like we started off as a goof, and then uh, I don't know, man. I just really wanted to brag about like where the fuck I was from and the people that were from my neighborhood too, and it just kind of just been trickling down, and it's been really fun to interview. A bunch of people from the from the neighborhood, man. And uh, dude, it's, it was great catching up with you, brother. Hey, dude, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been uh, it's been awesome catching up. Uh, I love what you're doing, so I'm pumped to uh, keep in touch and and watching you grow too, man. The whole alternate take, and uh, I'll be sure to to spread this all over Instagram, all social media, and get get people tuning in, man. Likewise, brother. Uh, you got your Instagram handles and all that stuff. Uh, it's just Davey Arnold Music, D A V E Y A R N O L D Music. Super easy. But uh, yeah, be on the lookout for new music next few months. Fuck yeah. Thanks for stopping in, brother. I appreciate all the love, man. Hey, thanks, Danny. Take it easy, bro. All right, you too, brother. Peace. And there it is, dude. Our interview with the great Davey Arnold. Thanks a lot again to Davey for coming on the show, dude. It was uh, super cool, man. It was a long time coming. It's so crazy how I haven't talked to you in like, in, I don't know how many fucking years, but uh kids from the neighborhood stay strong brother this shit was fun as hell and uh, for all of you listeners out there uh go check out the links i put in the podcast description with all of davy's music uh you can find him on most streaming platforms and um stay tuned man stay tuned for his uh his newest shit coming out dude I- i'm excited i'm excited to see what the kid from whittier is bringing to the fucking to the table baby hell yeah anyways uh thank you guys for uh tuning in um same routine do the go to the podcast rate it five stars uh, subscribe, uh, go to our Instagram, check us out on Instagram at alternate take DR and then spread the love, man. Tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell everybody who gives a fuck. Uh, thanks for tuning in. 
And uh, I'll see you silly bitches later, man. Peace. Hey, Superman. I watched all your movies as a kid. I wore a cape, tried to fly away like you always did. It's gonna be just like you. And hey, Superman. I had your posters duct taped high on the wall. Looking up from my bed, I felt so small. There was nothing you couldn't do. There ain't no doubt that you're a hero. People cheer your name wherever you go. You save the world a thousand times, flying high up in the sky. But hey, Superman, if you think you're all that, well, you ain't met my dad. Now you ain't met my dad